You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. We're live with episode 107 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more for season four of the Overwatch League. I'm your host, Rams. He's reminding you to follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod, throw us an email at pushthepointgmail.com, or leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm joined, of course, by my partner in crime, my partner in losing SR, I think. Lately, at least for the games we just played. Uh, Labosco, how you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. I, I've noticed that we only seem to lose when I play DPS for some reason as of late. Um, I don't know why that is, because I usually play okay. But hey, whatever. It's it's just what happens. But no, uh, forget our SR for a second. Uh, it, June Joust just ended, so I'm excited to talk about that. For sure. For sure, for sure. It's weird that we were talking about this last week, too. This is the I think we're officially at the halfway point of the season as well. Technically, as far as the regular season is concerned, right? Because if you you include like end of season playoffs and stuff, it would be a little bit longer. Um, So we would probably technically wouldn't be at the halfway point as far as like time. Like, but that's semantics, right? So the, the regular season halfway point, it's. Come a lot faster than I expected it to, to be honest. I feel like it would, the the first half of the season has flown by. Yeah, it really feels like we just started like a month ago and then all of a sudden like, bam, we're in. But I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? Like with how these regular season like weeks have been set up with like three weeks of regular season and then a fourth week of playoffs. Like. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it it has been two months. It's just weird that it's been so quick, right? Like, it just doesn't feel... I guess it's because of how seasons have been prior to this. It it feels so fast, right? Because some yeah. seasons have gone for so much longer. I think is maybe what it is. When you think about, like... Do you remember season one where literally each team played, like, 40 games or something ridiculous? Season, games. season one was, like, a basketball or an NBA season, right? Like, it just... Like you, you knew how it was going to be a long time and it was okay because there was going to be a lot more that was going to happen. Like playoffs were going to eventually happen and then playoffs were like basketball or hockey, whatever you want to compare it to as well. It, it was a much, it was much different. That's for sure. Um, much different feeling too. So before we go into our full recap, I think. We're going to start off with our two highlight games, which are conveniently the first two, the first round of the June Joust playoffs. Uh, which one do you want to do first, Lobo? You want to do Dallas, Shanghai, or do you want to do Atlanta, New York? I'm good with whichever one. Um, either one is fine with me. They were both uh, they were both good games. Cool. So let's start off with the first game of the week: the Atlanta Rain versus the New York Excelsior in round one of the June Joust. Atlanta Rain versus the New York Excelsior, round one. Atlanta looked exceptionally strong heading into their round one matchup with the NYXL. They rushed their way into the playoffs off the back of Pelican's elite level Echo and Diva play. 
combined with exceptional performances from Hitscan DPS, Kai, and their tank line of Gator and Hawk. Viewers wondered what New York would do to try and stop the rain from smothering their attempts at map control. Map 1 looked to be decently even as both teams spent considerable time in control of the point. Jonak and Co. managed to oust the Atlanta from the point on a couple of occasions, but couldn't stop Gator and Hawk from retaking and locking down both points thanks to their Orissa Diva composition. Feather just couldn't seem to make an impact when he was constantly being hunted and picked off by Pelican's focusing beam. Kai came on DPS on map 2, where his deadly Hanzo play pushed the raid through Anubis with relative ease. New York tried to match compositions by also running an Orissa main tank, but their passive approach gave Atlanta a huge window to set the tempo and steamroll on offense. The Excelsior looked much better on offense, using Winston and D.Va to snowball through both point 1 and 2. Pelican shifted into overdrive for round two, sealing a successful attack run off a huge triple kill and shutting NYXL out from retaking point one. New York attempted to shift into a more aggressive tempo for map three with the Winston Diva defense, but Atlanta still ran over them with a Torbjorn, Brigitte, Orissa, Deathball strategy. New York managed to push through all three points on their offensive run. On round two, the Excelsior's indecisiveness cost them again as Pelican dove and eliminated DPS and tanks with another incredible echo play and sealed the game victory for the rain. So I know last week we talked about like I'm being really interested to see what New York was going to do. Not that they necessarily squeaked into the playoffs because they beat the Hangzhou Spark very soundly, but they just weren't a team we really expected to see go into the June Joust Final Four. Uh, and with Atlanta coming off of such a hot streak, being so good at this rush comp, I think a lot of people expected it to be a 3-0, like it ended up being, but it wasn't necessarily an all-out stomp for the entire thing. New York did manage to get some punches in as well. They they're They did some confusing things, though, too, like, they switched off of compositions that were working really well for them to play different kinds of compositions that didn't work as well. There's just a lot of I, I think it was just more of like I very confusing as to what they were doing sometimes. Like the their game plan was odd. That that was one yeah, of the big sure. things for me. And especially too, because when we did see them run the the Reaper Echo composition. They played it pretty well. Like they did all right, especially I think it was Temple of Anubis. They they their attack was super fast. So it's like, oh, OK, so they can play this. They should just stick on this. And then on their defense, they like did something completely different or their next attack. They did something completely different. And it was like, it feels, why? Well, right, because they were the entire game. It felt like they were almost scared a little bit, specifically on Anubis and on Umbani, where like. I mean, Kai comes out with the Hanzo and you see them like they give up control of the bridge immediately on point A. Like they keep kind of hiding and trying to backpedal so they don't get picked off. And when they were more aggressive and they really pushed Atlanta more, they had they the results were a lot more positive. It looked like. Well, and as we learned, as this tournament went on and just from Dallas themselves, you could you could kind of see that like aggression is the name of the game right now. Mm -hmm. The more aggressive team is usually going to be the team that wins. 
And that so if you're if you're playing this, you know, if you're playing a style where you're going to be conceding, then you have to play it incredibly well because teams are able to push into you so fast that it doesn't matter how much you kite. They're going to get to you before you can pick off, pick them off. And the the composition that they're playing, uh, that that rush style composition with the the Reaper and the Echo, like they can afford to lose one person and still pretty effectively push two. But it's mm-hmm. so hard to just pick off one person because the Moiras are doing twenty four thousand, you know, healing in in, in ten minutes. You know, they're doing so much healing that even if you're getting these shots in, unless you get a quick, you know, two shot kill, that person's staying alive, getting healed back up, and they're continuing to push towards you. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times this weekend we saw a Reaper go in, Death Blossom, almost die, fall back out, manage to get like fully healed and come right back into the fight over like a 15 second, st- 15 second span. Um, Pelican looking very good this series as well um there were certain spots i think on numbani and on anubis where he just 100 percent dominated new york like where he was not that he was doing it all on his own like without any help but he was just so effective at shutting them out from even getting point access he really was he was um it, it's funny especially in this p- series in particular like oh man He's so good. I, I I think um I think it was what the the previous week or maybe it was the week before where you were saying you think that Pelican might be the best echo. In it was last week, yeah, yeah, and and in a game like this, you could kind of almost see like where the argument lies, right? Because he was such a a huge factor for why Atlanta was able to three zero, but Atlanta in general in this game, I think it was Kai more than anyone else who was the biggest difference maker because. New York didn't seem to know how to handle any of the compositions that they were running um, when they weren't playing the rush style and, and, and they just didn't continue to do it. So in Atlanta, if they wanted to play rush, they could, too. Uh, but that was then they would be bringing Edison in. You could see that that Atlanta wanted to play Kai more often than Edison. And that's nothing against Edison. I think it's just that's how talented Kai is. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it seemed like Atlanta was the only team we saw running a ton of the Ash consistently, at least from my like from what my viewing was, at least like across multiple maps. It felt like on certain points you'd see certain teams pull it out, but they would you'd move on to the next point in the map and it kind of go away. Well, it was like Ash or Hanzo. It was just it was like that those hit scans slash sniper characters we saw a lot of Atlanta do, at least against New York. Like everything changes after the first round. Like the first round was really kind of weird. For what we saw as far as compositions against teams is like the the Reaper Echo composition was played, but there's a lot of other stuff that was played, too. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that actually right now with our second highlight matchup of the two. Unless, Lobo, you have anything else to cover for Atlanta versus New York? No, let's move on. Alrighty, we're going to go for number two, uh, the second game of round one, the Shanghai Dragons versus the Dallas Fuel. The Dallas Fuel versus the Shanghai Dragons first round. The Dallas Fuel started the June joust on fire, sweeping the Shanghai Dragons, their previous May Melee Finals opponent 3-0 in round one. 
The Fuel immaculately executed their Rush composition all series long, and Echo paired with Reaper, Genji, or Doomfist, so much so that the dragons wouldn't be able to crack it. Dallas would start off slow, giving up 56% to the Dragon's Ash Soldier Comp, but once they took control on Sanctuary, they would hold it all the way to 100%. Mecha Base was not kind to the Dragons. The Fuel came out of the gates and dominated on the map with a Doomfist Echo Comp. They quickly reached 99% before finally giving up control to Shanghai. From there, it was a matter of the fuel biding their time to take the map and the early 1-0 lead. Dallas continued their dominance on Valskaya Industries, finishing their attack with 3 minutes and 4 seconds. They deployed Sparkle on Genji to help deal with the dual DPS hitscan that the dragons were using. The dragons struggled to break through the fuel defense line, which was spearheaded by Sparkle's Doomfist. They captured the first point of Volskaya in overtime, but then failed to capture the second point with their shortened time bank. Hanamura started off with another impressive Dallas Fuel offensive run, where more Sparkle Doomfist plays led to a comfortable time bank of 2 minutes and 52 seconds. The Dragons would start off a little better this time, but not last for long. The Dragons' momentum petered out on the streets phase of the map, where their inability to deal with Dallas Echo Reaper Rush killed their attack run and gave Dallas the series. So looking around, I know there are predictions on Plat Chat and a couple other places that Dallas was going to steamroll through this whole tournament. Um, watching this game, that certainly looked to be the case. Yeah. Um, Shanghai just didn't have an answer, it seemed like, for whatever for whatever Dallas would bring to the table. It, it was funny because, like, at the very, very beginning, like, Dallas does what Dallas normally does and starts off a little bit slow on Busan. Like, they give up 53% at the beginning on Sanctuary to, to Shanghai. And then they're like, oh, okay, we're going we're gonna to start playing now. And then they kind of just, like, went out the rest of the way. And I think they did take a little bit of percentage at the beginning, but still like they 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 pretty much dominated this game from beginning to end. And it wasn't necessarily on just the 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 Echo Reaper. They did a lot of Echo Doomfist in this game. They did Echo Genji. But like the base of their composition was that rush with the 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 Moira and the Lucio and then the the Diva and the Winston. But then their DPS is where things were changing up. Yeah. And then. I actually was watching you and I talked about this last week where Dallas was able to hand off the echo back and forth between Sparkle and Doha, but it very much felt that Doha was having a lot more of an impact on the Reaper than he was necessarily on the, on the echo Sparkle was a lot more immediately impactful. It felt like I, I I don't know. I think they're both pretty good echoes. I think that it's more that Doha is probably the better Reaper. So that's why you play it this way. And then then sparkles maybe slightly better on Echo. I don't think either of them are are like so bad on the other hero that they couldn't play it the opposite way. I think that they're just strongest when it's this way. And and there's a there's there's a different level of aggression that Sparkle does compared to basically anybody in this game. So when he can play such a high impact character like uh, Echo, you you put him on that sort of character. I think is what it is, because I think Doha was a large part of their success throughout this this run in the tournament that they had. 
So I, I don't think he should be understated at all because he was just mm. as, if not maybe even more important at times than Sparkle. Looking as well, too, we got to see it a little bit in this match and then more throughout the whole series. The Sparkle Doomfist is still a thing of beauty. I love getting to see it. Like, the way that he knows, like, he, it's he's so smart about where to make specific plays and who to specifically hit rather than, like, going in and just picking off who he can get or going for a specific flank. Like, and the way he times everything as well, like, they're very good at supporting him to where he can get that pick and get out without almost dying every time. Yeah, he 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 knows the the limits of what he can do, but he also pushes that to the extreme. And and that's what makes him such a good DPS player. And obviously there's there's more to it than just that, but but on something like an Echo or on his Doomfist, is specifically his Doomfist like you were saying though, but I think the one thing that always gets me is like he always knows on Doomfist how to how to he knows every trick on every map. It seems like, yeah, it seems like no matter where he goes, he knows where he can do different kind of Doomfist tech. Um, and he just the, the way he combos things together, too, on Doomfist and, and knowing when is a good time. I just don't understand how he always knows when it's a good time to go in. Not always, but a lot of the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On to round two, um, flipping games a little bit. I know even at this point, Atlanta looks like a. I don't know if you saw the Unter tweet. <laughs> that was pretty funny. No. Unter was memeing a little bit. Uh, assistant coach for the, for the Atlanta Reign. Um, where is it? <laughs> Um, so he t- he tweeted after the first round was trying to think of funny of something funny to say. Excuse me, was trying to think of something funny to tweet after today's owl matches, and I realized that the biggest joke here is APAC and the June joust. Um, oh no! Which was it was funny because he had a, like he had that come back towards him later. Um, Dallas yeah, versus Atlanta, 40. a little bit. <laughs> His response later was like, oh, so like I was saying, APAC was just too dominant in the June joust and they never stood a chance. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, he's a he's a funny guy. Um, Atlanta rain versus Dallas fuel. Dallas wins three to one. Atlanta gets control over on Nepal. Um, they trade. I think they both trade maps before Atlanta seals it away. Yeah, and, and, and it, it's funny because like they're they're mirroring each other in this game. Um, for the most part, at least on this first map. And you're like, oh, oh, so maybe Dallas isn't the best at this composition. And then everything changes after this. Yeah. It was funny as well, just that. I think we're so used to fearless being like just so dominant on everything. But whenever we see him really just kind of bully other tanks and Gator played pretty well for this whole tournament, I think. It, like him and Hawk both deserve some props because they had a very good showing over the weekend and over the past couple of weeks. I think but, Hawk more than Gator. Um, I think we saw in the later maps Gator really struggle, and maybe mm-hmm. it was because of a lot of focus from Dallas in part two. But but he definitely um, had a bit of a rough go in this game in particular. For sure, I do wonder as well, like. 
if we see this Atlanta, if we see Atlanta continue to be this strong with other metas going into the next couple stages, or if this might be the peak of how we see them for siege for season four. I think it depends, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't it, it? It probably depends on what we see come back into the meta. Like, there's been some changes as far as patches. Does that change anything? Did this composition did now? Now, here's something to consider. Did the did the the um did the hero pulls actually help teams figure out something that's more unbeatable, even with those other compositions? Right. Like maybe this composition that Dallas slash Shanghai were playing at the finals. What if that ends up being the best composition, even when you throw back in everybody who was out? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, man, this composition is hard to kill. And does Sombra do Sombra Tracer Reinhardt do these? Do they make a difference? Right. Does does Zenyatta make a difference? That's the biggest question, I think. Looking as well at our other second round matchup, um, it's really interesting to see, like, I think I would have thought Atlanta to be a little bit closer in this game as well. I I really thought, I mean, granted, it was still like a pretty close game for 3-1. But. I mean, there were people saying that there were people hypothesizing scenarios in which Atlanta could even take this whole tournament last week. Yeah, there's some people who had had Atlanta winning it all, too. Mm-hmm. And, and we were, t- I, I mean, we talked about it the week before. We weren't sure who's really going to be the best team. It was hard to to really pin things down. Like we had a feeling that maybe Dallas would be the team, but we weren't sure. We, you know, we said it could easily be Shanghai or Atlanta. You know, we weren't quite as high on New York, but there was still a possibility that New York surprised everybody that they continued their ascension as a young team. Unfortunately, they didn't, but. I think more than anything else is like Dallas is able to figure teams out. And usually teams have a lot of difficulty figuring out how best to attack them. And Atlanta sort of fell into the same sort of thing where, you know, Dallas sees them on controls like, okay, so this is how you play this comp. Now we know how to attack it. And then they didn't look back and Atlanta could never answer back. That's what it felt like to me, at least in this first in in that one. Mm-hmm. Looking at Shanghai versus New York, New York gets shut out again. Uh, this felt like a lot. This felt like a lot more straightforward. Um, they get shut out on Busan. They get shut out on Anubis. Um, they managed to like they put up a pretty good fight for. Um, Numbani, they make it to the last point, and then New York loses the fight, even though they have almost all their alts. <laughs> it's like one of the situations you see. Like I swear, it's one of those caster curse things where whenever talk people talk about, like, oh, all right, this is gonna be great because they have all their alts. Like they have, like they're definitely gonna win this fight because they have all their alts. I feel like whenever it gets called out, I just see teams fall apart every time. Well, I think it's more than anything else is that teams. There's a there always seems to be like this overconfidence thing when you have six alts and then maybe like there's um, a nervousness on how to use your ultimates, right? Like you don't ever see them used effectively. Like you don't see people get the value out of them that they know they can because I think they overthink about, okay, 
when am I supposed to use this ultimate with when all these other ultimates, when it's like, just press Q, just everybody has mm. a Q on your team. If everybody presses Q, you can even do it at the same time. You're probably going to win the fight. It's as simple as that. I think it's, it's a mentality thing with six ultimates more than anything else. Yeah, and I think we saw in the last game for New York, they seemed so indecisive about when to commit, when to do things. And it cost them, I think, all weekend. But they're a young team. This is their first time on this stage other than Jonak, right? I think that's important. Um, Bianca, sure, is a player, and Ivy have been around. But that's still Feather you have. You still have so many other players. Flora, uh, Yakpung and then Friday, who are super new to this state. Mm -hmm. So, and I guess Yakpung has played a little bit too, but but again, has Yakpung have... I'm trying to think of, like, Yakpung's highest... Um, yeah, Yakpung's super new too. What am I saying? No, I mean, Yakpung had, a like, a season in the Overwatch League. Yeah, with Toronto, but it was... With Toronto, but and then was, he also... They didn't... Go? Yeah, I don't know. They just, they didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I mean... He was there. It's they've looked very. And, and I know in the past we talked about New York having a like a passive play style, but I think that only works if you're able to accurately predict and react to what people are doing rather than just waiting for it to happen to you. It felt very much like there were plenty of spaces where they like, especially on offense, where they're like, okay, well then um, uh, we're going to go here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. Yachtpunk's diving in like it. It was. It's not even a thing of like him diving, making crazy dives by himself. It just felt like there were times where he thought we were, they were going one way, and they decided to not go that way. But he had already leapt over there, and that's probably just miscommunication. That's um, a young team, not a whole lot of time together, learning how each other plays and thinking when when do they think that they have the the ability to win the fight. Mm hmm. Going on to our winner's final, uh, Atlanta Reign versus, or I'm sorry, loser's final. Atlanta Reign uh, gets shut out 3-0 by the Shanghai Dragons. Very, like, decently close game, but I think this is where you see Shanghai really starting to put it together and really starting to pivot back into, like, the dominance we were expecting for them this tournament. I think they the against New York, they sort of figured out what was the best composition for them to run um, and how best to use it, because they did run this against Dallas, this Echo Reaper with the Wrecking Ball instead of the Winston. But this is where it felt like they really figured out how best to utilize everybody in the composition. And they made it work so well. And I think Atlanta was caught a little bit off guard from this. But I think also Atlanta just kind of dropped the ball a little bit. It felt like like I think they they had a little bit of a rougher go of a game. But I do think that that it's more so on Shanghai than it was on Atlanta. And, and I mean, who would have thought the wrecking ball would be such a huge impact thing the way that they were playing it? Like, like not not to think that it wasn't possible, just that, man, it seemed to make such a big difference when when they were with how they were using the wrecking ball compared to having a Winston. Yeah. Well, and it, you see it in um, the final in the grand finals between them and Dallas, where it's how they time these engages where I mean, I, I kind of compare it to you would see people um, 
the the soldier 76 tech that you would use that you would helix rocket somebody at their feet and so you could you could determine where you could control where they were going to bounce to and you could just already hit them there Mm -hmm. and it's like it's almost like that but the winston's i'm sorry the wrecking balls uh pile driving in and then the echo already knows where everyone's going to pop up so they have that focusing beam and those sticky bombs already ready just to instantly eliminate somebody Mm -hmm. yeah It, it definitely it was impressive. Um, it was coordination to another level. And it, it really showed how like one team can find something that works super well in Dallas and then another team can adapt that same composition with one little change to make it so much more effective. Mm-hmm. And then going into the grand finals for the June Joust 2021. Uh, these first two maps, it looks like business as usual for Dallas. I know, um, I think Sideshow and Bren made the joke that like it's another day at the office for them where like they came in and they were clean in Shanghai's clock for the most part. Like shout out 2-0 on Lijiang Tower. Um, Shanghai picks Volskaya Industries for map two, which is kind of hilarious considering how good Dallas looked on that map for the past like stage of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they look super good on Volskaya as well. Yeah, the the final. I mean, watching those first two maps, you would have thought that that this was all all Dallas. Like there was no chance for Shanghai at all, especially too mm-hmm. because like Dallas beats the composition that ends up being the composition throughout the entire time, uh, or at the end that gets Shanghai the win. Like they they beat that composition into the ground. So you thought, okay, the this wrecking ball, it's still not working for them. It's still like, yeah, it worked against Atlanta, but against the team that knows this comp better, it's just not working. Well, yeah, <laughs> that ended up not being the case. Mm-hmm. It like, and I think something that needs to get mentioned as well, they made a special point that like Lee J. Gom is getting found out every single map. And it wasn't uh, not every single map. At the beginning, they were Dallas was doing a very good job of pressuring Lee Jae Gon. They were killing him before he could even drop beat in big fights. Yeah. And it was even like they were doing it as well at a time where it wasn't even like he was in a bad position a lot of the time. You had a lot of it where Fearless would drop Primal Rage and then just instantly just be on top of him and pushing him far away from everybody. So it doesn't even matter. Like, it wouldn't make sense for him to drop B anyway. It's not going to help anybody. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 was just getting pushed, pressured into really bad situations. And that you give a lot of credit to Dallas for that. But I guess at the same time, you also have to say, well, they did it for three maps. They just couldn't do it for a fourth. Mm-hmm. Like, this finals was very weird because, like, they were so dominant. And, like, sure, Numbani happens. They end up losing because they don't have a very good attack, but you're like, okay, maybe they can make this work. You know, that they should still be fine. They get it to three, one. You're like, okay, they, they figured out what Shanghai was doing on Dumbani. They're going to, they're going to be okay. And then the, the last few maps happen. Going into map three on Numbani. This one was a nail biter. they, Shanghai stops Dallas um just before point two. Um they like they are they're so 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 close to getting point two. But um 
I think another one of somebody to really praise in this series, Lip had a very, very good game as well. Um, we talked about before about li- about like Reapers being able to dodge like in and out of damage and being able to pop back in and have impacts. Lip's staying power during individual fights was so big. Like there were so many times where he would manage to just barely slip away and then get full healed and come back in to finish off a fight. Some really big uh, death blossoms from him too. Yes. And like you, I think it's something I haven't really been paying attention to until this tournament. How like how much they were working with the um, the teleports, where they would, how specifically he would get into certain positions either behind them or just to draw attention away, just so that there was the opening for the tele- for the uh, death blossoms or for the um what's it called or even for diva bombs. Is this the map with the big diva? No, that's on Rialto next. I, I don't remember where that diva bomb was, but it it was Rialto, yeah. It was one of those things where it's like it's a huge diva bomb, but at the end of the day, it ended up not mad. Like, I think the best way to describe how this goes from really Nambani on is a mis- one mistake here, one mistake there was the difference. Right? Like one small thing was the difference in one team winning between the other team winning because I think all of these maps from here on out are super close. Like there's no utterly dominant Shanghai map or super dominant Dallas fuel map. Everything is close. Everything's on a knife's edge. And then looking into map four with Rialto again, this so so I saw um, Carrie from SI Not Found uh, made a very good point that um, it seems like Dallas is winning all of these fights, but Shanghai is winning fights when they matter the most. That Dallas would just sit there and stonewall them and would be able to just barely rebuff them and hold tight. And then right when Shanghai needed a big play, right when they needed to get to the next point, they'd be able to pull off a big one. You saw it over here with... Um, Rialto, where it's pretty even for most of it, but um, Dallas holds them pretty tightly to point two, and like it looks like Shanghai is going to peter out, and then they get another big play from I think Fleta on the Echo just to push it over the line. You know, they actually ended up having a better time, Shanghai going into the into the second part of Rialto or the 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 end of Rialto. So both teams finish this mm-hmm. map. But then it's Dallas who's able to even with the smaller time bank push it to the second part of the map and then win the map. Because that they had an incredible defensive hold to not even allow for Shanghai to get to the second part of the map. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really crazy recontest. And for how it was going for Shanghai at the beginning of this first point, you would have thought they were going to breeze through the first part and then just win the map. But Sh- but that's that's how resilient Dallas was. The resilience of both of these teams was super impressive throughout. And then this pushes it to the three one, and you're like, okay, you know, it's really close, but Dallas seems to have the edge. And then we go back to the map where Dallas seems to maybe be the best, which is control, right? Because you don't have the cart to worry about, you don't have these other things to worry about. And then, well, oh, that was so close of a map. Well, and even before then, um, so this diva bomb happens where 
Shanghai like battles through and battles through to get to the last point. And um, they managed to get all of Shanghai, all of Dallas into this corner behind a pillar and voids diva bomb flies just as flies out in such a way that, and they break the Winston shield at just the right time to where he gets a 5k off of it. <laughs> like where like they probably Dallas probably was going to contest that point at least another couple times. And then just like that, they get a better time. Yeah. Well, and, and I think they, they actually attacked first too. So it mm-hmm. looked like, like, okay, oh man, Dallas's defense. Now the offense where Dallas seems to be best at. And then Dallas really, ends up struggling on the second part of the map and then barely, barely finish the map. Like it looked like they weren't going to, that's how mm-hmm. close it was. They take that map four to three going over to Busan. Like you said, uh, this one. So I think I, you saw people talking on Numbani like, Hey, Shanghai, I might have something here. And then they start to twi- like, they f- start fighting back pretty hard on Busan and you start to feel like, Oh, like, this could go the other way. I don't know if I felt that yet, because like they trade out and then at the end, like literally it comes down to one fight at the end of the map, mm-hmm. right? Like the the way that it was going, it was like, OK, Dallas looks really good on this point. Then on downtown, you know, Shanghai has always looked pretty good on downtown. But Mecca base, it was like, OK, th- this is one of the maps where where Dallas has looked best. And Dallas has control for a good chunk of the game after giving it up the initial take. Like they they lose, they get to 69% for Shanghai and then they almost close it out. But Dallas is like, that's all right, we're good. And bring it back to 99%. And then it looks like Dallas has won this map. Looks like it's over. It's done. And then Shanghai comes steamrolling back in and somehow force this to go into the next map to go to map six. Like it it didn't feel like anybody had an edge. Like this is the map where you truly felt like any, it was anyone's game from here on. Mm -hmm. I know even you saw, I don't know if it was the decisive thing that like the decisive thing that made it happen, but you saw them like pull fielder back out through that corridor on the back way, like on the back point of um downtown. They pull him back. He gets killed and then they're able to push back in with doubt with half of Dallas's healing removed and retake that fight. Um, yeah, with, they were really good. I think one thing that that Shanghai did really well was getting to Jexay and fielder. I think that they the the wrecking ball really enabled them to get to that back line in a way that we couldn't see fearless do on the other side on the Winston. Mm -hmm. Because the, they, especially in the last few maps, they got so good at using their, their, the boops, the, the CC, whatever they had to keep fearless from really getting a lot of that, that cleave damage at the beginning. Moving on to map number, let me check one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six on Eichenwald. There, so Dallas is able to push it through. Um, well, I, I'm sorry, Dallas is able to um to hold tight. Um, they but they end up kind of petering out right before point three. Um, 
on the other side, Shanghai, this is where I think you started to see, I'm sorry, I got the runs flipped. Um, Shanghai manages to push it all the way through, but there are several different times during their attack run where it looks like it's over. Where it looks like they Dallas needs to get maybe one more kill and then the fight's done. And you saw Lip pulling it out. You saw Fleta. I think <laughs> Fleta goes back to the Soldier 76 and it works this time. I think they like they set up the positioning so much better where like it actually got a lot more value. And he was like the forgotten guy by Dallas in those fights, too. Like they were so focused on what was happening in front of them that they 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 didn't worry about the soldier 76 and that was like the biggest mis- one of the biggest mistakes that they made because mm-hmm. like there was there was multiple times and and this wasn't when the the soldier was out there the soldier was out there for part of it but there was times before the soldier came out onto the field where Dallas is so far ahead um as far as time that they only need to win one fight and then they can't get that final fight like they're not ever able to fully put away Shanghai till like the end of the map. But they had and so many opportunities before that. This is as well where you start to see, I think, the big momentum swing where for a long time, Fate's coming in here and he's pile driving Dallas and he's disrupting them. But Dallas hasn't really done anything comp- like specifically hero selection wise to change anything about it or to really address it. Um and it's kind of a big deal because I think on Dallas's attack run, Shanghai like almost spawn camps them at one point. Like they're pretty close up on that point um, on that first like payload point spawn. And it's enough to where it forces Fearless to move on to the Roadhog just so that they have something to 100% deal with fate on the wrecking ball. Well, and that was the thing. Like it really was weird to think that it was like, okay, so why is this happening for Dallas? And, and and this was the biggest like shock for me because we've seen Dallas be able to adapt what teams do to them so well that the wrecking ball finally was something that they couldn't figure out how to deal with. Mm-hmm. That what I, is what I think was the biggest surprise for me. It wasn't just the wrecking ball, I think is important to point out because everything else is a mirror. Like it wasn't just the wrecking ball making a difference, but the wrecking ball was enabling the rest of the composition in a way that the Winston couldn't necessarily do i think was the more important part about it and fearless did an okay job on the wrecking ball it was just fate was just that much better on it one fate has so much more i think part of it was a it was a core point of shanghai's composition as well like to sync up with with fate on the wrecking ball to sync up with his pile drives whereas fearless even though we didn't, haven't seen him as much fearless looked like he played a competent wrecking ball but like the synchronicity on that it just isn't there yet i don't know if it was i don't think synchronicity was the problem like we saw them actually do for dallas like a really impressive like pile driver into i forget what it was but there was something that dallas did where they combined with the wrecking ball incredibly well I think it was just that Fearless is just a different guy when he's on Winston. I don't think his his wrecking ball he spent as much time on. And Fate was just able to do some things a little bit better, knew the rollouts better, knew how to create momentum on wrecking ball better than Fearless. So he was able to effectively get out of a lot more fights better than Fearless was able to do it. And I think that was the bigger difference than like, oh, Shanghai was just able to execute things better. Um, 
as a, as a team. I, I don't think that was it at all, because I think Fearless showed that, yeah, if we want to do a certain play, we can do it. But he just wasn't able to stay alive the way that fate was. And I think that's more of what was a bigger thing than like, oh, they, they were able to engage better because I, I think even with the Winston themselves, like they, they get the first point so fast, like you're like, oh, my God, they don't need the wrecking ball on offense. It's fine. But they they couldn't figure out how to crack the defense once those doors started to open. That was the I, I think that was like the weird part for me it was like they would look so good at certain points and they would start to win fights so heavily. They'd give themselves an advantage and then they'd still lose the fight. That was what mm. was weird. Shanghai can just continues to hold tough. Um, we get to the last map on Junkertown. And this one as well, it looks like, all right, Dallas is finally like. Dallas is back on top of it like they got this. Um, they stopped Shanghai midway through point three. Um, and even then, like Shanghai, like very close um, on the take for point two. Like it was not like an easy run that just stops out of nowhere. Dallas, Dallas is punishing them, holding them very, very tight. Um, and they come in to they go through point one. All right. They managed to make it through. But Shanghai just continues to hold like to slow them down and stop them through point two. It was. It was another thing, too, where like Dallas was caught in the worst place possible, like one of the yeah. hardest parts of the map to to get out of. And Shanghai was just able to hold them there longer than Dallas was able to hold Shanghai in those positions. And that's all it takes to make the difference because all of once the map opens back up, once they get past that point, it gets close again. It does. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to who who's able to make the better play in, in a key team fight. And I mean, Dallas is so close. Dallas is so close at the end to, to making this something possible. And they just couldn't do it. They, they didn't have enough left in the tank. And it's a rough way for it to end for Dallas. But I think for Shanghai, I mean, this is something that they needed to be able to do, like to have this sort of resiliency, to be a team that people think can win it all. That honestly, people thought would be the team at the end of the year that would be the champion last year. Mm -hmm. they, this is a really good thing for Shanghai. Right. This was something that they never really had done coming back from adversity in this sort of way down three one. Like, not that they hadn't, but with, with the pressure on in a championship moment. There was a similar moment last year, wasn't there? Maybe there versus, was. Wasn't there one with them versus Seoul? The first time they played? Although I thought that was closer. I thought that was more back and forth. I didn't think that was a... It's hard to remember. Mm -hmm. 2020. Um... I don't think people would blame me for not remembering any everything that happened in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, this is a very important thing for them. And you look at this too, this still puts them in contention for like number one in like overall season standings. And now it stops Dallas from being, when you look at the league points, Dallas isn't necessarily the runaway first person, like first place team anymore. They still are going to have to really fight to hold on to number one. Yeah. There, there's there's a lot of like there is no clear cut number one right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think you give the edge to to Shanghai, right? Because of what they did in this in this tournament. But Dallas is right there. I mean, I I think the the clear two top teams right now are Shanghai and Dallas, and everybody else is trying to fight to get onto that level with them. I think Dallas is has been a little bit more susceptible, at least in the regular season. But then in the playoffs, they they turn into a different team. Yeah, um, because they they have things figured out once once playoffs come around. It it always feels like it always feels like the play in games are them figuring out what's going to work best for them, and they're not afraid to to figure that out. Like they're not going to go with one composition and fear that, that they're not going to be able to play anything else. It's like, okay, what works best for us? I mean, and we talked about it earlier. It's very much has seemed. It's like you talked about where they start. Sometimes they start a little bit slow in a game. It usually, it takes them a little bit of time to really figure out what the meta is, how they want to approach it. And then they're able to just to keep refining it and to keep boiling it down to where there's, they're so good at the core concept of the meta that it's hard to even break them. Exactly. And that's why they are such a scary team. Whereas like San Francisco and Houston, they've only lost one regular season game, but they haven't been grasping things at the highest level the same way that Dallas and Shanghai have. Which is kind of nice because it, this this season kind of reminds me of a lot of the first season of the Vancouver Titans where Vancouver was sort of like how Shanghai is right now. I feel like in a lot of ways. And then Dallas feels to me very similar to how San Francisco was where like they would figure things out. Granted at that time, everybody was only playing goats, but, but it was always like San Francisco who was like, the team that that you had to be very worried about them learning how best to play everything. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has felt that Dallas has moved into that range to where they will have an answer. They will have an answer for most situations. It may not be something they have week one of a new stage. Right. Give they them will time. be able to they'll be able to find a way to make stuff work. And now that Pine is it seems like Pine is going to be able to compete now. Um, granted there, there were talks like, man, pines in Korea, like Shanghai is probably playing from like China. Like pine could play in this tournament. I don't think we should have, we wouldn't, we shouldn't have expected to see pine, but I think we're going to be able to see him coming into this next stage. Yeah. More than likely if there's a stage where he might come in, it would be the next one. We just I don't know if he said that he's in NA yet or not, or if we, we know for sure that he is. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, OK. Dallas is sort of in a position where I don't know how strong like, I think the strength of their schedule is significantly easier now the rest of the way compared to what it is bef- was before this point. Like, sure, they still have to play for Florida and Atlanta. But I think that they've got a lot more easy games after this point, though, too, because Sure, they've already played Vancouver the one time, but but they still haven't played Paris. They still haven't played um, a few other teams that they're going to end up running into. Although they play Houston again too, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe their schedule's still really hard, and and it, maybe it's the final. Um, it might be the final part of the season where their schedule gets really easy. That I'm thinking of. For sure, for sure. 
Anything else, Lobo, before we wrap up for the evening? No, I I think that one of the funnest parts so far this season has been the fact that we've had. uh, It's cool to see some other teams get in there with Dallas and Shanghai, but Dallas and Shanghai being sort of the steady rocks and being the teams to beat has been really fun and some impressive games to watch. And um, it, it really does remind me of the the rise of the San Francisco shock and the the Vancouver Titans in a lot of ways. And and I think that had some of the most fun storylines because you had these two teams battling it out throughout most of the season. Sure, it wasn't every single single stage playoffs, but it was a lot of them. So I like that we have that kind of going on again. And I think both teams have a lot of great players and personalities that make it fun too, that these are the two teams that we get to see. Like I I don't know if you saw the the video of Sparkle like singing karaoke or not, but it's like, yeah. how can you not like this guy? How can you not be excited to have him in your league? How can you not get behind him and enjoy like the the type of person that he is? He's so much fun. Yeah, sir. It's I I have a hard time reading against Dallas. They're just such a genuine likable team, and yeah. I'm really I enjoy watching them. I enjoy their personalities. Really quick before we wrap up. What. Would we be comfortable saying San Francisco isn't the dominant team anymore? I don't know. I don't know because like they beat Dallas. They looked really good in that game. They seem to know what to play. And then they dropped the ball. I think the bigger thing with Dallas or with San Francisco is them integrating their new players. Um, are they going to get it together in time for the end of season? Because I don't know if they're as concerned about losing these tournaments now. I think the big prize at the end of the year is what concerns them more. And to me, the second half here is where we maybe want to see them start to, we want to see them be one of the teams going to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's that needs to happen that they, they need to be competing with Dallas and Shanghai. I think they have the ability to do it. I think it's okay to say they aren't that team right now that can compete and be the best team and the team to beat, but they still are the defending champions and they still have only lost one regular season game. So Mm -hmm. I'm not okay thinking that they're completely out of it, but I do think that they do have some room to grow. And that's the bigger thing is, um, Will they reach their ceiling? Because their ceiling is still the the best team in the league. For sure. I think that they need to make these next. Like, they need to make at least one. They don't. Preferably both. They they Uh, don't technically need to, though. They don't need to. No, no, no. You'd like to see it, though. No, I know. So, for their... For their end of season standings, they don't technically need to actually make either of the final fours. I mean, more so like for, I guess for me to still put them at like in contention for that number one, like super, like at the very top, top spot. I think they need to make at least one, if not two of the tournaments. And they have the ability to do that. Like, I don't think that's out of the question that they have the potential to qualify for both and then win both. Like they they definitely have the talent. It's just about it all coming together. And I think that's been the hardest part right now for San Francisco. And I also think that this team has a lot of pressure on it for guys who 
have never been in the the sort of pressure that that you have being on a team with such high expectations like San Francisco has. I think mm-hmm. that's a big part that can't be understated too. For sure. That's going to do it for us on episode 107 of Push the Point. Thanks for being here in the Twitch chat or on your iPhone, your Android, wherever you're listening to us. We appreciate you. As always, if you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is leave us a review on your podcasting platform that you like to use. We read out every new review live on the show, and it's a great way to tell us what you like about the show, what we can improve on and work on. Uh, We really enjoy it. If you want to help us out in other ways, um, there's a great way to get in touch with our community as well. Right. Discord.me slash mash those buttons. And you can jump join us there and you can talk to us. You can join us for game nights, whatever it might be. But you also get to see about a bunch of the other shows on the network, too. A few of which you get to hear about right after this show is done. So stick around. There might be one that you like if you listen to that afterwards. Patreon.com slash mash those buttons to directly help the network monetarily as a dollar a month too and you get access to patreon exclusive content is the coolest part about that too at pushpoint pod to follow us on twitter see whatever's happening when we're going live all of that stuff for the show when the shows get posted onto your podcasting platform of choice find it all there you you, you will tweet it out whenever it happens i promise push the point at gmail.com if you want to send us like a long form email if uh email's your thing you know, send us stuff there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find Labosco at his very special and very descriptive handle. <laughs> at Labosco, I, I guess that's special and descriptive. I I don't know. It's uh, it's my last. His name. very his, his very accurate Twitter handle. Yes, it's my last name. I've had it for like thirteen years. So, the I, last name or the handle. I've had the last name my entire life, unfortunately. <laughs> the, the the Twitter handle only since 2008. So, yeah, a little bit, little bit less of time. I'm 31 now. I'm an old man. I'm old. And I'm, you can I'm find boomer. boomer Hours for Labosco. And you can Always. find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW for all my stuff. And I am not going to be here this next couple of weeks. I'm going to be out doing some family stuff but um we're still gonna be having a good time with the next two episodes um we'll have some we'll have other people here to cover in my absence yeah we'll get some special guests i don't know if we've got anybody lined up just yet but we'll get uh we'll get some people to do it and, and take ramsey's place it should be a lot of fun for sure that's gonna do it for episode 107 of push the point thanks for being here we appreciate you And as always, stay safe, take care of yourself, and we will see you next week for episode 108. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. 
You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 